Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast, Episode 11. Hi, this is Bob. If you've been a listener to Sarasota Stories for a while now, would you do me a little favor? Go to our website, sarasotastories.co, scroll down and enter your best email so you will know when all our episodes will air. It helps us know who's a fan and how many folks are listening. I certainly appreciate it. And now on to today's episode. My guest today wrote the hilarious Cheapskates Handbook, Cheap Dates, Cheap Mates, How to Resist General Impulses, and More for Less. This book was translated into a half a dozen languages and has sold over a quarter million copies. But what our guest is best known for is writing well-researched and incredibly engaging children's books with such titles as Dad, the Man, the Myth, the Legend, The Cuddle Book, The True West, Real Stories About Black Cowboys, Women Sharpshooters, Native American Rodeo Stars, Pioneer Baqueros, and the unsung explorers, builders, and heroes that shaped the American West. In his latest book, coming in June of 2022, Forgotten Founders, Black Patriots, Women Soldiers, and Other Heroes Who Shaped the American Revolution. Hi, I'm Bob Williams. I believe if you truly want to better understand your community to build personal, professional, and even lifelong relationships, then a willingness to hear each other's stories is an absolute must. In fact, that's why I created the Sarasota Stories podcast, It's a podcast dedicating to helping you get connected a little deeper with those living in this wonderful community we call home. In each episode, I interview business leaders, civic leaders, artists, authors, entrepreneurs, physicians, philanthropists, and others who are making a positive impact in the greater Sarasota area. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Mifflin Lowe, a man who knew he was destined to become a writer since the seventh grade. In this episode, Mifflin will share one thing most people don't know about him, and the hint, it's Oprah Winfrey. How he goes about writing a book, insights into his latest release about black cowboys of the true West, and much, much more. I'm so glad you joined us today. And as always, it is my hope that you will listen, learn, and connect. Flynn Lowe, welcome to the show. Hey, should I call you Bob or, or Mr. Williams? No, please call me Bob. Since we're friends. Bob, it's a Bobcast, not a podcast, a Bobcast. <laughs> you know, I was going to look for the uh, domain name on that, but it was already taken. So, well, anyways, 
Anyways, let me give uh, our listeners uh, some background. Is uh, Mifflin and I are, are good friends. We are members of a private club here in the Sarasota area, and he is quite the writer. And so I wanted to have him on the show and talk about how he got into the writing business and what he did uh, to make a living. He was in the ad industry for a period of years and what he's working on now because he has some pretty cool stuff. So, uh, but before we get into that, I would like for Mifflin to share with us what is one thing that very few people know about him? Well, actually, I, I'm going to say three things. Uh, one, one is that uh, as uh, I, uh, I had a book published a long time ago called The Cheapskates Handbook, which, which sold like a lot, sold like a quarter million in English. It's in Italian. It's in Norwegian. It's, uh, it's in sweet, uh, Danish. So, oh, wow. uh, so I was invited to appear on Oprah. Winfrey show. Uh, and, uh, well, that's cool. It was cool. Except the only thing that was uncool about it was that, uh, it, they called me on Monday. Right. And I was living in, in Rhode Island at the time. And, uh, and they said, can you be out here tomorrow? And like, like you said, I was used to working in advertising. So people would make my scheduling for me. They book flights and all that. So I had to get out there tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, that meant I had to fly through New York. I had to go to Chicago. It's all that stuff. So I said, forget it. I didn't feel like doing it. I just didn't feel like doing all the arrangements. Okay. So For Oprah? Yeah, I didn't go on her show. So that was like probably the, the dumbest, you know, everybody makes at least one dumb uh, uh, financial uh, professional decision. Right. Uh, you got to kind of think that was maybe the dumbest one I ever made. Right. But actually this was back before she was famous for promoting books. All right. Ah. This is like, so yeah, it was stupid anyway. But the other thing is I had a, I had a, I had a brochure because I was in advertising. I had a brochure yes. through Wednesday. So they called me Monday. I had to do Wednesday. So I said, you know, what? I, 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 I got a deadline. So, so I, I honored my deadline and dumped Oprah. Well, I, I trust you made millions of dollars from the brochure, right? I, I made at least a hundred. <laughs> and i'm not kidding either oh well so how did you get into the writing business and specifically what type i have been able to write since i was in seventh grade okay wow i i just know it. it's like like some kids like uh, like i said you get a kid in gym class who can climb the rope you know and get to the top like in two or three seconds right and two or three seconds i'd still be pretty close to the gym floor all right <laughs> But I could write. I mean, I know it was my it was my talent. It's my ability. It's like I've never had any problem with them. People always say, oh, I have writer's block. I have writer's block. I'm thinking if you have writer's block and you can't write, don't bother because the world doesn't need any more people trying to write. Like so. So it's like but I've never I've never had writer's block for one second. Not one. So, yeah. And so then obviously, if you want to make money as a writer, Probably the best way to do it is to go into advertising, which mm. I did, and I was very successful at it. Uh, won like uh, Cons Awards and uh, Clio's. Everybody's heard of Clio's and and One Show and all that. Did oh, did it very successfully, only because it was competitive and I wanted to. I mean, did you always want to become a novelist and write? A, we're going to get into some of the projects you're working on now, which yeah. of course is not the advertising industry, but was it initially you wanted to become a novelist and you just saw, well, but look, I got to pay the bills and advertising is the way to go. 
Sure. That, that's, that's, that's pretty much it for, for, I think everybody, you know, it's like back when I first started writing, being a novelist was the, uh, the top of the mountain, you know, and that right. thing. And, and my, my mother always like encouraged me and I, I could do it. I just knew I could do it. So, uh, yeah, that's what I, I, I wanted to do. But uh, he said, you, you know, you got to make some money. So I, I, I did go into advertising. I got jobs and that was good. How long were you in that industry? If I told you 50 years, you know, oh, so wow. yeah. I, I got in, I got into it like in 1970. Yeah. Uh, I worked for a guy. Do you want to hear this name? Phil Lansdale, whose brother was Major General Edward Lansdale, who was, oh, wow. who is the guy and the CIA guy in Vietnam that the book The Ugly American was written about. So, ah. I mean, he, he was quite an interesting character, Phil Lansdale, but he, he had a small agency. But uh, he thought, you know what I learned in advertising? I, I was always good with words, but advertising is not about words. It's about ideas, okay? So I, 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 I learned the difference between just, you know, words that sound good or euphonious or, or you know, whatever, and, and just, like, expressing an idea. Because in advertising, you have to, like, ideally, you have to put an idea in people's heads that makes them want to prefer a product, right? That's what I learned in advertising. And it was a good thing to learn. You didn't want to take up some of the Tom Clancy writing with your CIA connection there, huh? I actually, when I was promoting that book, I was talking about the Cheapskates Handbook. And by the way, the Cheapskates Handbook 2.0 is, is available on, on, on Amazon. All the books I, I talk about are going to be most easily available. Okay. It's Aren't just, they all? Yeah. It's like Barnes and Noble's good, but Amazon's the fail safe. Even right now, I got some books out that the publisher can't even get them from, from China. You can get them on Amazon. So he, he can't, the publisher can't even get them. You can get them on Amazon, which is kind of amazing. But where were we? Oh, Tom Clancy. Yeah, I was doing interviews um, for the Cheapskates Handbook, and I was like on the uh, with Irma Bombeck, if you remember her. Sure. And she she and I were on a TV show out in LA, uh, Gary Collins Hour Magazine, and she, and we just hit it off. She she liked me, I liked her. She just laughed at all my jokes, I laughed at hers, and she gave me her agent and all that sort of stuff. And and where where were we? We were just talking about something. I forget what it was. Yeah, Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. So I was on, <laughs> on CNN. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and and I was back back in the, the green room with him. You know, before oh, wow. he, came yeah. on, he came in with his uh, his his uh, publishing agent. Uh, I did to be honest, I didn't even know who he was. That's not my genre. I'm, I'm really not interested in that stuff. But uh, he uh, he was introduced to me, and later I found out what a big deal it is, you know, and stuff like that. But, but it's uh, huge. I guess today, since he's passed away, they've hired a whole team of writers that write very like him and continuing to put work out that's Tom Clancy-esque, if you will. So it's, yeah, it's an well, incredible genre. <laughs> uh, he was, at the time, he owned uh, an insurance agency in Maryland, I think. And he said he was still doing that. And I thought, man, right. if I was making money like this guy, I'd be out of the insurance business in a heartbeat, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, well. he, he's very—I think he's very practical. He's very practical in, in what he wrote, and even in his—you know—I'm going to stick with insurance until I don't know until he died, I guess. Well, to each his own, I guess. And so, but let's let's get back to what you're working on right now because this is Black History Month, and you've just written a book or continuing to write a book 
about the true West. And that's real stories about black cowboys, women sharpshooters, Native American rodeo stars, pioneering vaqueros, and the unsung explorers, builders, and the heroes who shaped the American West. Talk about that for a little bit. That's yeah. pretty interesting. It, oh, it's very interesting. It, and the book's doing quite well. It's called cool. The True West. By the heck with Tom Clancy. Let's talk about you. Yeah, let's, let's put all that stuff <laughs> so it's called The True West, and it's by Mifflin Lowe. You know, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble and et cetera, et cetera. And the, 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 the fact of the matter is that about 25% of American cowboys were, were black. And, and, you know, you, you didn't really hear that much about it. And it's like, you know, you can argue, well, it's 18% or it's 28% or whatever. So 20, about a quarter is right. one way or another. But you think about it, a, a lot, after this, uh, uh, rev, uh, the Civil War, they had all these, like, uh, formerly enslaved people. Of course. And there was no Social Security. You know, there was no welfare net. They had to, they had to do something for a living to stay alive, right? And a lot of them had actually been cowboys, especially in Florida and Georgia. And 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 so they went out west and and they got it and they got jobs working, you know, it's a, a real blue collar job being a cowboy. Well of course. And 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 it's hard work. And so if they could do it, they they got the job. Okay, some of the most amazing people and this book is this book is really about Diversity in the American West. Okay, it's it's. I'm not making a point versus. I'm just trying to be honest and accurate. Yes, yes. It's really all about the fact that maybe the 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 American frontier was maybe more of a melting pot than even the cities in the East Coast. I mean, you think the cities in the East Coast, you had like Chinatown, you had Little Italy, you know, you had the Irish section, and all that. Out in the West, I think it was much more you know, wide open and kind of melted together. I mean, if you could do the job, you got the job, right? If they needed you and you could do it, you got the job. And so it's about um, some of the most famous rodeo guys were were black, including a guy called uh, Nate Love, who was later called Deadwood Dick, who could just, he could ride everything. I mean, some of these guys rode buffaloes as well as, as, well as everything, as well as bulls and horses and stuff like that. The most Probably interesting story, and they're making some sort of TV show series about it now. Is a guy called Bass Reeves, mm. and that's in that's in the book, The True West: The Story of Bass Reeves. He was the lawman uh, uh, over what was known as Indian Territory, which I think was about seventy five thousand square miles. And the judge was the hanging judge uh, Parker, Judge Parker, who was who was uh, Bass Reeves's boss. Right, he was the judge. And Bass Reeves uh, arrested 3,000 people, which is more than Wyatt Earp and Wild Bill Hickok put together. Uh. And he, he was a, a black guy. And he would, he would go, uh, uh, his calling card was, was at the scene where he arrested a guy. He'd always leave a silver dollar. Okay. And he often used, and so later. That's a lot of money over the years <laughs> for 3,000. Yes, you're right. So anyway, but the the, uh, the thing is, he is presumably and uh, the guy that the Lone Ranger was based on because, uh, because you know remember the silver bullet yes an adaptation of the the silver dollar thing hi ho silver away too right hi ho silver away and and Bess Reeves was quite amazing now he he, he only got shot 
once through the top of his hat. He never got shot in the body. He never shot anybody if he didn't have to. All right. And, and, but he, and he often like used disguises and costumes and stuff like that to, to fool people. He'd show up as a hobo. He'd show up as another outlaw and stuff like that. And he did trap people. He said, the law ain't perfect, but without it, we got nothing. Right. Now, is that, that is like, that is like such an intelligent perception. That's that's kind of prophetic when you've seen some of the anti-police movements in some of the cities around, you know, around the country and whatnot. And so I I just don't know what the line of defense is if you don't have them. But well, the, he's, he sounds like a very colorful fellow. Uh, He was, he was, yes, he certainly was. Bass Reeves, amazing person. Now here's the most amazing thing to me about him. His son uh, found out his wife was cheating on him. And the son, and this book is for kids like eight to 12, by the way, but it's right. Right. The research is, is so fascinating that for adults, it's, it's, Frankly, everybody as interesting as, as anything, and you and you get the whole picture pretty much in like one spread, two pages instead of reading five hundred pages. <laughs> Excuse me. So this is really for middle schoolers, then. This is for middle schoolers, like yeah, they, they said, and it's like kids six to twelve, uh, but their parents are going to be probably just as interested in in the stories as as they are, right? Like, yeah. I, like I had one kid who's like, you know, it's like he's got to read it all the time. He's got the cowboy hat. He puts on the cowboy hat. His, his mother reads it to him and stuff like that. But like I was saying, the son killed his wife, shot his wife, Bess Reed's mm. son. And, and Bess, uh, I said, I, he tracked him down and brought him back. He said, like I said, the law ain't perfect, but without it, we got nothing. He said, I, I got to arrest him. And so he brought him in. And because probably because he was Bass Reeves' son, they they didn't hang him, right? So, but they put him in jail, and he got out of jail, and he became a barber. But I'm thinking, how noble is that that you actually observe the the, the law rather yes. than let your own son escape to Mexico or whatever? Yes, right? yes. Uh, so anyway, that that's one of the uh, interesting characters. The other, the, the, this is also about about the women in the in the wild in the wild west in the frontier. And like um, you got Annie Oakley, who was probably the first superstar ever, right? Uh, right. And she could like she could shoot a dime out of the air. I think it is ten paces or something like that. She could shoot from the back of her. She was just a, a fantastic, amazing shot. And she was only four foot ten. It's also about the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, uh, if you've heard of the Buffalo Soldiers, who were the black absolutely soldiers, right on, on, on the west and in, in the west, and they won. I think during the Indian Wars, as so-called, they they won twenty-five medals of honor, which is pretty extraordinary, right? Wow! And and they were also involved in the Spanish-American War. Then you got a guy named Bill Pickett. Bill Pickett, if have you ever heard of him or not? Yes, I have. Uh, as a matter of fact, you were the one who kind of uh, turned me on to him, but he was quite the uh, bulldogger. Yep. And uh, was just really extraordinary. I, I, there's a fascinating story about how he uh, kind of held these cattle down. Go ahead and tell it. Well, he, he, was, he was only a little guy. He was uh, huh? 5'7", 145 pounds. And he observed that, uh, that the bulldogs that they used out on, on the trail, the herd, you know, would, would bite the bull on its upper lip, which is like a real sensitive area. Okay. So he said, hmm, maybe I'll try that. So he'd go riding out on his horse. He'd jump down. He'd get his 
get his grip on the bull and he'd bite the damn thing on the, excuse me, he'd bite <laughs> the bull on his upper lip, which like incapacitated him, right? And then he could wrestle him to the ground. And he did this for years and years and years. And amazingly, he kept all his teeth and he became a movie star. You know, and in fact, bulldogging was something he invented for, for people to do, you know, and other than just dogs. And now it's a million dollar sport in the professional bull riding association, you know? I don't think they don't bite them on the lip. They, out, <laughs> you know, they, they outlawed that. Do you know that? I'm, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I knew every. It was hurting the bulls. So that's why they yeah. outlawed it. Right. Um, so anyway, he became a, 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 a movie star in the, in the silent era. And uh, they, uh, the, the first one was called the Bulldogger, and the other one was called uh, the Red something or another, the Red Demon, or the, the Dusky Demon, and uh, he, a couple movies. But uh, they, he was not, uh, he wasn't a huge runaway. Let put it this way: a black cowboy in a black and white movie with no sound, he wasn't right. So, right. so of his course, didn't last forever, right? But uh, then you have the other other people like Calamity Jane, amazing person, and and Wild Bill Hickok, whom I whom I put in there as a sure. astonishing person, and uh, and uh, Jackson Sundown. I'm looking for another one. Oh, there's Mamie Halfley. Now, do you, do you ever remember like the the famous diving horses, at, like the the Steel Pier and so forth? Yes, I, I you and I are are telling our age right here. Yes, I do remember the diving horses. Well, I've heard of it. I don't remember, it. but the uh, <laughs> the uh, she said she was from the she was from the west, and she was as she said in the west where I was raised, women are by no means the weaker vessel, and it, it's really interesting because I mean, I think she'd go up fifty feet up into a tower get on her horse and dive 50 feet into 10 feet of water. And that was her act. And, and, yeah. and so, uh, uh, are these Western shows then? Yep. Well, it was, it was, yeah, it was Western shows and all different kinds of shows. I mean, she was also, she was an amazing cowgirl. She could ride, you know, backwards and everything. So, uh, so that's the book, uh, the true West, which is it, actually, it's doing really well. It's selling very well. It's selling so well that the publisher has uh, uh, contracted with me to write two more books. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's great. Yeah. So I just finished one more or less last night, and it's called uh, Forgotten Founders. It's about uh, people, women and people of color in the American Revolution. And Very that, cool. Yeah, that'll be out in, in June of this year. All right. So it's not out now. So uh, we'll have to have you back on the show so you can talk about that. Give us a preview of it. That would be great. And and this publisher, they give away every for every book they sell. And it's called Bushel and Peck Publishing. For every book they sell, they give away one to like what's called an underserved school or library or community center. Okay, so I think, you know, how can you argue with that? That's a good thing. And uh, this publisher also did another book that. uh, Oh. The True West was picked by the Children's Book Council as 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 a as a book of the year for for social studies. And, That's very uh, cool. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm on the I'm on the uh, Loco Kids site right now, and I see that are are all these published underneath the Loco Kids no umbrella? No. Okay, uh, the, the 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 Loco Kids was was uh, my effort to uh, self publish because I, yeah. I, I moved down here to to Sarasota. Uh, hoping uh, I had a, I had an animated movie as about a young 
uh, black kid from New York City who imagined he was a cowboy. So he'd walk down the street and he'd see the tall buildings and it would become oh, a cool. canyon. And he'd see a lady in a fur coat and she'd become a grizzly bear, right? And you see a dog and it would become like a wolf. And it's like, it, it, it's a it's a great story. And you can actually see see that and listen to some of the songs on my website, which is locokids.com, like crazy. Very cool. So, so where did, where did your desire to write and publish children's books come from? I mean, there's a lot of imagination there, obviously, to hold a middle schooler or a child's attention span. Where did that come from you? Well, I thought it was going to be easy and it doesn't. Because uh, I, I was a writer, I had some some short stories published in what they call small small books, and one, and two of them are in the, like the Yale's Benicky Library, which is a good thing. And then I did the Cheapskates Handbook, which sold a ton, right? Right. And I followed that up with a book, which is my favorite book, called I Hate Fun. All right, <laughs> and it's a humor book. And uh, but I mean, it's like uh, that's not what I'm doing now. So I, I did that other that other book I was just talking about, Cowboy Howie, about the kid from New York City. And it's like I, I went to a, a production company that worked with Hasbro, and they 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 loved the idea. Then when we signed a contract, and I went in the first meeting with all these kids, and they and they said, "Well, does he have to be black?" And I said, "Well." That's the story. You know, he's a black kid from New York City and stuff like that. They said, oh, okay, all right, fine, fine. So so next time I came back, they said, does he have to be the central character? I said, he's the Fonz, right? You take the Fonz out of Happy Days, what do you got left? Right. You got nothing. So so this was like I was, I was like getting hitting so successfully on this. I thought, just give me back my rights and we'll call it all off and I'll solve it. <laughs> right. But and they did. And and like it just like it's been years and years and years. But and that's where the true West actually came from is I, I pitched that book, Cowboy Howie, to uh, to this publisher. And they said, well, did, did you ever think about doing about, you know, I said, kids don't know about black cowboys, you know, and because I used to do these shows right. schools and libraries and stuff like that. And everybody just sit there like with their fingers up their nose now. What? what are you talking about? Right. So uh, he said, well, it would be great to do nonfiction in this. So I said, yeah, OK, fine. You know, it's like I, I write professionally. So I did it. And uh, it's, it's still doing quite well. And like I said, they want to do a whole series. And here's here's the okay. Here's the really, really, really good part is um, right now I am working with a two-time Grammy winner, uh, Dom Flemons, who is a a, a a black cowboy singer, folk singer. And uh, oh, very we, cool. That's very cool. And and we are working uh, uh, pitching a, a series uh, based on the True West. He's like perfect. He's kind of like a uh, uh, Levar. Burton plus Mr. Rogers combined. Okay. He's just got, <laughs> he's got, he's got just the nicest easy going personality. So this would be for like, uh, you know, kids, young kids, uh, say like, say like five to nine, right. A TV. Cool. Yeah. And so we're working on that. I just finished writing the pilot and, uh, we'll, you know, you never know in, in Los Angeles, what's going to happen. And usually everything falls apart, but, um, so far so good. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, as as we um, as we wind up here, why you said you thought it was going to be easy writing for kids books and whatnot? Did, were you just like a, a very imaginative kid when you were younger, growing up in the uh, in the Princeton area? I mean, wh- where did all that come from? 
I grew up in Philadelphia, basically. Oh. I don't know. Just, like I said, it's just like some kids can uh, climb rope in gym, and I could just I could always uh, write and think of stuff. So, uh, you know, mm. Weird Al. I was always kind of weird because I was thinking, I don't know, what I what I, what I thought. And it was like it wasn't what everybody else thought. So, so yeah, So and I, I was happy with that. It never bothered me being odd because like, yeah. I had good friends, you know. So when so when you do a when you do a project like the True West, th- the thought initially comes to you. You say somehow or another you're going to come across that idea. This would be a great book. What take us through the process of how you gather the information and you just really get the work done, if you will. I mean, is it you know some people? I guess my question is: is some people think that those that have an artistic bent, they they they're inspired by something. And then others are just very disciplined in how they go about producing content. What's your method? I'm very disciplined. Mm. I, I start every day, more or less, say, 9.30. And I'll write like three hours to lunch. And then I have a little lunch, take a little break, come back and maybe do another couple hours, two and it's like if you if you're writing, and I do it every day, Monday through Friday, just like you know, just like I had a regular job. And uh, it's persistence is the name of the game when it comes to writing. Because like I said, right. I originally wrote this as a the Cowboy Howie fiction book, which is on my website, LocoKids.com. But the publisher said, "Well, why don't you do a nonfiction book?" And I said, "Okay." So I wrote it, and and it's that that is a lot like advertising. You, you do your research online. Let's be frank. It's like if, if it weren't for if it weren't for the internet, I, I, I wouldn't have written these books. It would have taken me an entire lifetime to do the research. You know, of course. library to that library. You go online. You can uh, you can look up, uh, say, like a woman like Mary Fields, and, and you get like ten thousand words and all these different sources and all sure. these books. And so you get ten thousand words. And, and you get her full life story. And, and then what you got to do is you got to cross-reference it. So you, you pick what seems most truthful. All right. So if you get like three people saying, well, she was six feet tall and, and, and one person saying, well, she was really 6'10", well, you know she was six feet tall. All right. So you, you just have to uh, winnow it down. And then you have to take those 10,000 words and you have to reduce them to like, 350 to 450 words so that they'll fit on on a spread that's why i'm saying it's a lot like advertising it's just like the the true west is is informational writing and you try to be entertaining about it you know and try to be engaging you, you don't get to talk about a kid seeing a a fire hose and it turns into a snake that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a whole different deal right uh, so then um this uh, this publisher asked me to do another book, which is called uh, Dad, the Man, the Myth, the Legend. I like that title because I'm a dad and I, I sometimes think I'm a legend, but that's, you know, that's just me. Well, that that's out now. Oh, okay, good. You, you I, I got to get that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's it actually, it's gotten great reviews. Like I said, the, the True West was, has gotten really good reviews. And and it's uh, a Kirkus and, and stuff and and uh, it's the CB's Children Book Council selected and all this. Well, Dad, the man, the myth, legend was on the cover of Publishers Weekly. Right? Cool, that's Which great. Like, Whoa, how you know, holy smoke! And uh, and they also got great reviews in Kirkus, 
and Publishers Weekly and like the uh, book list, which is, you know, all these different like reviewing books. Right. And uh, they like it a lot, which, um, you know, I'm happy if they like it a lot. <laughs> a child. Here's the review from Kirkus, you know, uh, uh, a child enumerates all the way a dad is a superhero in his own right. And that, that's clearly like he, he, he's got an imagination that he, he gets carried away with the, <laughs> the guy. Yes. And like the mother keeps him in line. She, she's so like he, he thinks he's like a Tarzan and he's re- he really isn't. <laughs> and, and he thinks he's a race car driver and so forth. But uh, his kids love him and he loves his kid and his wife, as so often happens, sort of keeps him in, in a little bit down to earth. OK, but it's gotten really good reviews and, and the uh, drawings, cool. in, drawings in it are, are terrific. And they were done by this guy in Barcelona. Very cool. Well, listen, we, we do have to wind up here. If people want to find oh, out more, about you, where do they go? One more thing. One more thing. OK, one more thing. One more thing. Mother's Day is coming up and I wrote a book called The Cuddle Book. And I love it. And it's so good. And it's for like younger kids, like say like two to six. And it's, oh, isn't it nice to curl up and cuddle and melt down inside like a big muddy puddle and feel the thumping um poppy of someone else's heart and heat. <laughs> and it's, like, it's like people, people, like mothers are just like digging it to death. Okay. And that is really cute. That's called the cuddle book. And that's by a different publisher. But yeah. and that's online too, and the cuddle book, great pictures, and like this one kid uh, who who uh, look had to have it read to him every night. Okay, that's the best review you get. That to me, that is like the <laughs> ultimate review. I don't care who's talking about. The kid wants to take a bath it's, with their book. That's that's better than a fifty thousand dollar advance, right? Um, hmm, yeah. It's a, <laughs> uh, 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 so I have to yeah. think of that one, huh? The cuddle book for for Mother's Day. All right. Well, I'll be sure to get one of those for okay. my uh, for my daughter who has a couple little children now. How so old are they? Now I'm grandpa. Well, they're pretty young. One of them's three, and the other one's a few months old. So three is perfect. Well, we'll we'll get one for her. Please do. We'll do right, that. Cool. But if people want to know more about your writing, where do they go? I think they can go to uh, LocoKids.com. LocoKids.com, okay. Kids, you know, LocoKids.com. I would go on Amazon and click, say, Mifflin Low, and, yep. and, and you'll just see a billion, you'll see about, I think, 13 different books or so. But I yep. would get the cuddle book right now or Bad, the Man, the Myth, the Legend, or or the True West. or, or good That is very cool. Well, I wish I had your talent. I don't. But it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Mifflin. Let's do it again. All right, be good.